G.G. Jackson has made a huge announcement regarding his commitment status to North Carolina. What exactly was that announcement? And plus, what are some of the things that South Carolina needs to do this upcoming football season in order to consider it a successful season? I'll discuss that today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I am your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and as I mentioned earlier, with all the developments that have taken place recently in G.G. Jackson's recruiting saga regarding his commitment status with North Carolina and the behind-the-scenes talk of a potential flip to South Carolina along with reclassifying to the 2022 class. Well, late last night, we may have finally gotten part of the answer to all of these questions. I will be covering that at the top of today's show. Plus, I'm going to do a deep dive into a few things that I think that South Carolina needs to do this upcoming fall in order to consider the 2022 football season, a successful one. I'll be covering all that on today's show, but before I get started, as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. All right, now let's get to the Gigi Jackson situation. Now, unless you have quite literally been living under a rock for the last two and a half weeks, uh, Game Cognition, there's been a lot going on with this entire situation. It all started back on July 3rd with a huge article that was put out there by Jamie Shaw of On3 Sports regarding the potential decommitment and reclassification that could take place with Gigi Jackson and how South Carolina still had a chance to land Gigi Jackson in this recruiting cycle. Of course, with that, there came a lot of skepticism from North Carolina fans and even some South Carolina fans who, quite frankly, did not see this potentially happening. There was definitely a few North Carolina fans who uh, felt pretty brazen to go down to the comment section on that video and pretty much say that that wasn't going to happen, that all I was doing was hyping up a bunch of fake rumors. Well, guess what, Tar Heel fans? Looks like I wasn't wrong, nor was Jamie Shaw and all the other national recruiting analysts who have been jumping on board with all this information for the last 48 to 72 hours. As this past evening, Gigi Jackson officially took to Twitter and announced that he was decommitting from North Carolina. And as far as I have been able to see, this is apparently the first ever decommitment that North Carolina's basketball has ever suffered in, I guess, their modern history. I don't quite know whether that goes all the way back to the start of their program, but none of that matters. Let me go ahead and read off the quote from Gigi Jackson real quick for those of you who are listening on audio podcast. Gigi Jackson said in his tweet, first of all, 
I would like to thank God for watching over me and giving me the gift and talent to play basketball. To all my coaches from middle school on up and AAU coaches, thank you for believing in me and letting me play for your programs. Thank you to Coach Hubert Davis and the UNC basketball staff for recruiting me and giving me a chance to play for your university. My family has stuck by my side since I was born and have been the biggest supporters in my life by guiding me in the right direction. I have decided to decommit from UNC to explore other options that can help me grow from a teenage boy to an adult and to put me in the best position to reach my dream goal, which is the NBA, and put in a couple of prayer emojis and a crossing the fingers emoji at the end as well. So, Gigi Jackson has now officially decommitted from North Carolina. That is an absolute fact. Now, as of this recording... Gigi Jackson has not made an announcement to say that he is committed to South Carolina. So technically, this all has not fully taken place yet. But again, if you have been following this situation closely for the last several days or couple of weeks, Jamie Shaw has multiple times put information out there to say that he is extremely confident that Gigi Jackson will eventually end up flipping to South Carolina. Last I checked on Three's Recruiting Prediction Machine, had South Carolina's chances of landing Gigi Jackson at 93.1%. So there is a lot of people that corroborate the information that Jamie Shaw has been putting out there for the entire duration of this month regarding this entire recruitment. So uh, what 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 exactly do you need to take away from all of this? Well, the Peach Jam tournament, of course, is coming up on July 17th and will be taking place all the way through the 24th. Jamie Shaw did put out an article earlier this week saying that more than likely there would be an announcement made by Gigi Jackson and his camp around the time that this tournament was taking place. Now, since Gigi Jackson has now officially decommitted, considering the timing of that and the fact that we're a couple days away from the Peach Jam tournament actually starting up, I would give an educated guess, just personal opinion on this, I would believe that at this moment in time, Gigi Jackson would probably make an announcement on what he plans on doing in the next couple of days. Of course, he could also, I guess, let the entire Peach Jam tournament take place, maybe not try to take any attention away from some of the other guys who are going to be a part of that tournament, and sort of allow the media to, I guess, somewhat speculate if they want to on whether or not he is going to potentially look at the G League and whatnot. But again, up to this point, all signs have been pointing towards South Carolina being the proverbial favorite to end up landing G.G. Jackson. And obviously, another part that seemed to really play a big deal in this, as Jamie Shaw put out in his article the other day, is the fact that the NBA's collective bargaining agreements negotiation period is going to be coming up the same year that Gigi Jackson would have been entering the NBA draft if he had stuck to the 2023 class. That's after the 2023 through 24 NBA season. So obviously that means that that could change potentially the rookie pay scale, as I mentioned on yesterday's show. So for all of those reasons, plus the fact that the family in his camp, obviously there's been a pretty big, strong not full consensus, but a very strong voice from a certain portion of his camp that have wanted to see him come back to South Carolina, see him play from the home state for essentially the hometown team. And it seems like at this point that's going to happen. So it's not official yet, but Gamecock fans, we are one step closer to seeing Gigi Jackson officially announcing that he is a South Carolina Gamecock. So exciting times 
to be a basketball fan at South Carolina. Already exciting times with Don Stanley, what she's done with the women's basketball program. But my gosh, again, if you haven't gotten season tickets for the men's basketball team yet this upcoming season, um, I do believe that there are still plenty of tickets left out there, and you still may have some time at the moment you are watching this show or listening to this podcast. But if you are interested and you haven't done so already, I would probably recommend that you actually go and do that right now because I highly doubt that those tickets will be staying out there for a whole heck of a lot longer. So, again, really big development here with Gigi Jackson's entire recruitment. So now that I've discussed Gigi Jackson, I want to sort of divert back to the football side of things. And today I'm going to talk about a little bit of a hypothetical. I'm going to discuss a couple of different things that South Carolina's football team is going to have to do this upcoming season in order for it to be nationally perceived as a successful season. And I'll be getting into all that, but before I do get into all of that, I do want to remind y'all that BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. You'll find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including college football and NFL futures, regular season Major League Baseball, and of course, all of the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC all the way to boxing. BetOnline does act as a continuous source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting esports, and much, much more. So be sure to head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Also, speaking of betting, which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Lockdown will give you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube. Alrighty, so let's do a deep dive now into the things that I think South Carolina needs to do in order for the 2022 football season to be considered a successful season nationally. Now, I want to preface this conversation with some context on bet all lines, win total over under, and the general lines that have been put out by most of the betting sites out there. So, bet all lines current win total over under as of noon yesterday was sitting at six and a half wins for South Carolina, which is actually one of the higher ones that I have seen out of all the different betting lines. Because most betting lines overall have had South Carolina's over-under win total set in the range of five and a half wins to six and a half wins. And again, if you're not a if you're not really big into gambling, over-under win total, it, when you have it set at something like five and a half, that pretty much means do you think that South Carolina is going to win five games or less or six games or more? And bet on Bet Online's case, do you think South Carolina is going to win six games or less, taking the under, or do you think South Carolina is going to win seven games or more, taking the over? That is what that bet entails. Now, with that bearing in mind when discussing win totals, that will bring me to my first point. The first thing I think South Carolina needs to do, I think South Carolina needs to win eight games or more, including whatever bowl game they potentially play in in the postseason. Now, some of y'all might think that that might be a little bit much what I am saying here as a potential win total. But to let y'all know why I think this is the case, I think it is important here for South Carolina to continue on a linear progression for the regular season from a wins perspective. I want to remind y'all, as much as we all love South Carolina, trust me, I bleed garden black. I'm an alumni of the school. I have followed the school and in the sports teams my entire life as young as eight years old. So 
I love this school more than anything else. But we have to face reality in the sense that we are not going to have the luxury of getting the benefit of the doubt based on our stature. We're not going to be like a Florida who, despite the fact they went 6-7 and seven last year, have a first-year coaching staff and a whole lot of question marks overall on their team from a starting lineup standpoint. Many people are projecting them to win at least seven games. South Carolina is not going to get that kind of benefit of the doubt. So because of that, we have to string together seasons of progression consistently year after year to earn respect in college football. Remember, how we perceive the team is not going to probably be the same way that the rest of the country perceives the team. And so with this discussion, we have to put ourselves in these people's shoes when talking about what the team has to do. We are a very loud minority in this case facing up against a large majority. And even though we obviously know a lot more about this team than even a lot of national folks can say, and we believe so strongly in what we say when we talk about what we think this team could do, the rest of the country is going to continue to spit out the line, we'll believe it when we see it, especially with South Carolina's lack of historical success besides a couple of really solid spurts in its program's history. So in my opinion, That is one thing that South Carolina definitely has to do this upcoming season is win eight or more games overall. Now, another thing that South Carolina needs to do in the 2022 football season, flat out, South Carolina has got to be more competitive overall in some of the bigger games. And when they have games that they should win, they need to have more convincing, resounding wins. Now, Why is this the case? Well, if you think back to last season, I've mentioned this statistic before. The Gamecocks only won two FBS games by more than nine points in 2021. Those games, again, being Florida and North Carolina in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. The Gamecocks, however, also lost four games by 25-plus points. Those games being at Georgia, at Tennessee, at Texas A&M, and facing their arch rivals, the Clemson Tigers, at home to cap off the regular season. Now, what exactly did these results do for South Carolina from a national perspective? Well, quite frankly, it caused a lag effect across the country in terms of realizing what Shane Beamer and this first year and this first year coaching staff were able to do at South Carolina this past season. It's funny when going into Duke's Mayo Bowl, South Carolina, even though North Carolina had had a disappointing season, Sam Howell did not maybe have the Heisman Trophy contending season that Tar Heel fans were hoping for. Many people were still thinking North Carolina were going to waltz in there and they were going to just smoke South Carolina. And instead, it ended up being the exact opposite. South Carolina pretty much dominated the game from start to finish. And it wasn't until after the Dukes Mayo Bowl where all of a sudden everybody else that loves college football but is in different regions all of a sudden starts to look at South Carolina and went, hey, wait, hold on a second. This is the same team that only won two games last year. This is the same team that just hired a coach where he had never been a coordinator before, much less a head coach. And they just won seven games? Wait a second. They also started three quarterbacks that had played at least four games this past season? And then when you add all that up, all of a sudden it just kind of snowballed. And it continued all the way into February, March, 
April. And then, of course, all the transfer portal success along with that. South Carolina's had a ton of positive momentum. Now, of course, we're getting farther along into the offseason. And all the people that care more about the logos and the brands in college football have crept back in. And they've, of course, quietly shoved South Carolina out of the conversation of being a a potential contender in the SEC East, being maybe a sleeper in the SEC East. Now, to look back at last season, compare what we did to a team like Tennessee. Now, Tennessee finished with the same record as South Carolina last season, finishing with the record of 7-6, and six, and they also lost three games by 24-plus points. So up to this point, with all the hypes Tennessee has gotten this offseason as a potential challenger to Georgia, you might be wondering, well, what gives there? Well, Tennessee won four FBS games this past season by 24-plus points. And as I've mentioned, now, all of a sudden, this offseason, forget what all happened on the defensive side of the ball, which, granted, their defensive coordinator, Tim Bakes, did a great job with what they had, but they still weren't statistically that good of a defense. But because the offense was so good, and quite frankly, they won in a much sexier way than South Carolina did, all of a sudden, all the national pundits and analysts are ready to just crown Tennessee as the biggest challenger to Georgia for this upcoming football season. So my overall point is this. People care about how you win football games. Not just the fact that you won. How did you win them? Especially people who are serious about college football. People that cover the sport for a living. They care about that more than maybe how badly you got blown out. As long as the number of games where that happens stays relatively low. And these off-season predictions and projections by these analysts and pundits across the country, it backs all that up. So South Carolina goes out in week one, let's say, versus Georgia State, which is a team that did win eight games this past season, and they nearly defeated Auburn on the road. And if it weren't for a couple of controversial calls, they could have maybe had a really solid chance of winning that game. And say South Carolina goes and blows them out of the water. The game's not even close from the opening whistle. Then that could maybe get South Carolina a lot more talking points from some of these national analysts. People around the conference would take notice of that, especially, obviously, you know, you can make all the Tennessee jokes you want since they lost to Georgia State opening the season up two, three years ago. But the point being, South Carolina does that in those kind of games, then that's how you get people to sort of be like, okay, South Carolina, we see what you're doing. Now, let's see how you do in these games against teams like Tennessee and Florida and Georgia and Kentucky and others. And if South Carolina shows up in those games, that's how you slowly start to gain some ground in the SEC hierarchy of perception. All right. Now, I've discussed a couple things South Carolina needs to do for this upcoming football season. South Carolina needs to win eight-plus games overall. South Carolina needs to be more competitive in some of the bigger games and have more convincing, resounding wins in the games that they should win. Now, my final thing that I think South Carolina needs to do in order for this season to be considered a success. South Carolina needs to pull off at least one or two nationally perceived upsets. Again, I say nationally because some of these games, maybe Gamecock fans, we wouldn't view it as a potential upset, but the country would. And that is what we need to be thinking about when, again, having this kind of talk. Now, the list of games I'm about to throw out there are games that would probably be viewed nationally as upsets if South Carolina were to win. And that would be at Arkansas, Georgia at home, at Kentucky, Texas A&M at home and coming off a bye, Tennessee at home in the second to last regular season game, and finally at Clemson to end the regular season. 
Now, why is this the case? Well, let's be honest. If South Carolina wants to get back to where they were in the Steve Spurrier era, they have got to start winning some of these types of games once again. South Carolina's record against this same group of teams this past season, excluding Arkansas since obviously we did not play them, was 0-5. And And the Gamecocks in these five losses were outscored 175-50. to Seven, nearly three and a half points scored for every one point South Carolina scored. And their closest loss out of all these losses was to Kentucky at home by a final score of 16 to 10. Now, obviously, throwing these stats out there, that's obviously not very good. But again, a lot of these games took place before South Carolina's offense really started to finally find a groove. And that took throwing out a Division three, at least a guy who was a division three quarterback this past year, back in 2020, going out there. And while it sometimes really was the true definition of backyard football, Jason Brown was what we needed to provide a spark to this offense. And with the pro style scheme that offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield wanted to run, but the complex language and blocking schemes that everybody really had to learn, I think it really put a lot of of pressure on all the guys starting on offense. And of course, when you're going out there and going three and out, no matter how good our defense played at times, South Carolina fans, y'all know this better than anybody. At times, the defense just got worn down. They couldn't keep going out there on the field after three and out, after three and out, after three and out. And maybe they get an interception. Great. Offense still couldn't do anything with it. Had to go back out there. Guys get worn down eventually. The worst, the biggest enemy for a defense in any game, no matter who the opponent is, is fatigue. You can wear down opponent and you start to smell blood. That's when your defense is going to be in trouble. And that's what happened more often than not this past season. Now, it's one thing to be able to go and defeat teams you're supposed to defeat. But it's an entirely different thing to go win games that the majority of college football fans doesn't expect you to win. Not necessarily us, not myself, but the rest of college football. So my final point with all this, what happens if South Carolina manages to accomplish all these things? They win eight or more games this next season. They are more competitive in the bigger games, and they have more resounding wins, more convincing wins in the games they're supposed to win, and they upset one or two teams, again, based on national perception. Firstly, it would change the perception of the South Carolina program from being an average team or being viewed as an average team to a good or really good team. We saw this happen with Arkansas and what they did this past year. And you could see some of the similarities with what South Carolina could do this upcoming season. Also, obviously, this would really be a big boost for South Carolina in recruiting. Shane Beamer and his staff have already gotten their foot in the door with so many blue chip prospects, not just in the Southeast, but in the DMV area and even all the way out in Texas, a state that South Carolina rarely has had recruiting success in. And South Carolina has everything to offer from a coach relationship standpoint, solid academics, great facilities, fantastic fan support. It would bring national exposure to the team. Think about what Kentucky has done the last few years. And listen, I know it pains y'all to think about where Kentucky is at now in the SEC East. But listen, it's time to face facts. Kentucky has, at least for the moment, surpassed us. But that's not to say that we cannot easily go back and surpass them once again. But it took time for them. They won 10-11 games in 2000. 
and 18. Then in 2019-2020, they had decent seasons, but, you know, it wasn't what 2018 was. Last year, Mark Stoops led the team to another 10-win season, another Citrus Bowl victory against Iowa. So, and now going into this season, there's actually some people who think that, first of all, their quarterback could be a first-round draft pick. I do think that's a little crazy, but that's a conversation for another day. And they also think that Kentucky could actually potentially win the SEC East or at least be the biggest challenger to Georgia. And again, all that sounds like crazy talk to a lot of you Gamecock fans, but that's how the country views them now because they have delivered consistent results over the last several years compared to their program's history. So it's a big deal to be able to just get people to bring up the program more, more more prospects will start to look at your program. More coaches will be more intrigued about what Shane Beamer is doing over here. And if all this is compounded by taking care of business and all these other games that I didn't mention by name earlier, then now you're talking about the Gamecocks taking care of everything I believe this team needs to do and can accomplish this season in order for it to be considered a big success. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed it. What are your thoughts on this latest development with Gigi Jackson now decommitting from North Carolina? Tar Heel fans, are you ready to apologize yet for those of you who came in here and said that it wasn't going to happen? Again, you could also go back and delete your comment. Door's still wide open for that. South Carolina fans, how do you feel about getting another W over the North Carolina Tar Heels with everything else that has happened in the last 16 months or so. Also, what do you think South Carolina needs to do in order to have a successful season this upcoming fall? Do you think maybe I was a little bit off on a couple of these points? Is there something that maybe I didn't bring up that is more important than maybe people realize? I want to hear your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app, wherever you're listening to your podcast daily, then you could also feel free to shoot me a message at a line underscore SC on Twitter. And I try to make sure to respond to any responses or replies as quickly as I can. And also one last thing, if you've enjoyed Locked On Gamecocks, then get more on the entire SEC conference by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC all in just 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen every day, of course, after the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that's going to do it for me today. I hope that you all have a great Friday and a fantastic weekend. And it's a great day to be a Gamecock. I'll catch you all in the next one.